Welcome everyone to 2018's first A Play on Nerds episode, episode 88, where we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. We're going to delve deep into Dungeons and Dragons. I'm here, Jarman, with your co-host. And and your co-host, Steve. <laughs> Everyone's co I phrase that as oddly I'm, as humanly I'm possible. The, I, I am the world's co-host. <laughs> we're everyone's co-host. That's great. We're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. The last time we talked about this was actually episode seven. Wow, is that long ago? We had our great uh, buddy, who was also our first guest, Cameron, come on. That's right. And talk to us about what it meant to be a DM. At that time, we didn't really get into the meat of what Dungeons and Dragons is, per se, or the history or anything about it beyond, you know, we concentrate on the experience. So I think Jarman and I are going to dive into that today. Yeah, I think he was our DM at the time um, for an online campaign we were playing. He had been a few years earlier when I was living in New York. Whereas DM means dungeon master, but we'll get but into we're that gonna later. Get, we're going to talk about all that. Let's not bore <laughs> you now. Let's bore but you But since later. our last episode, which released just before Christmas, we've had Christmas and New Year's. So what'd you do for all that, Steve? We went, uh, we spent a few days with Anna's mom and her family. And then we flew to Pittsburgh with a baby. It's crazy. A crazy idea we had. Uh, and we spent a few days in Pittsburgh with my folks and my brother and his wife came in and we got to see, oh Lord, something just fell. All right. <laughs> and we got to see aunts and uncles and the kids got to meet and play and Joyce was ridiculously cute and had a good time and got so many gifts. Just, uh, she got way too many things. Way she too got many so things. wasted. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. She got way too wasted. She, she had <laughs> way too much to drink. I was like, put it down, Joyce. Now. Drunk baby. It's the best. I said, put it down. She said, cat. Cat, cat. <laughs> yeah. She only knows like 12 words. So, no, we actually counted it up the other day. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are these milestones where they're supposed to be, no, this many words, this much time. And we feel like she knows a lot of words that we listen out. And she knows like 29 words. That's pretty good. It's crazy. Because she's how old now? Uh, she's 15 going on 16 months. Oh, a little over a year, as they would say. Yeah, yeah. Not two <laughs> yet, but still dangerous. Right. But 29 words. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty More impressive, but we months. didn't really notice until we really sat and wrote, wrote them all down. That's adorable. Well, what about your New Year's? Oh, New Year's, we laid low. Um, so we land, we landed Pittsburgh at 6.30 in the morning, uh, and my dad picks us up, and as we're walking out, he starts coughing, and he goes, I have a cold. You may, <laughs> he was basically just like warning us that this was going to happen. Like, oh, that he might get you a cold? That, yeah. He's like, this is your, it's going down. So uh, <laughs> sure enough, two days in, Joyce starts nose running and coughing and oh. uh, she's sick on the plane right home. Miserable, absolute fun. Good time. <laughs> um, came back and I thought I had dodged it. And I thought she, we were like, wow, we had, we didn't get it. And then. We got home and I immediately just nose running, coughing, baby coughing in my face. I'm coughing back. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, and then Anna got it. It started maybe a day, day and a half later. 
So we're all kind of on this track to get rid of it. So you were sick for New Year's, basically. Yeah, we laid low. Understandable. We, we, we just got our ass beat by, by a cold. That sucks. Plus, it was just good to be home. Yeah, after a long trip. A yeah. crazy trip. What'd you do for New Year's? Uh, well, for Christmas first, what? I oh, just- Oh, yeah, what'd you do for uh, Christmas? Get for Christmas? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, on Christmas, I just I got to see my extended family, which was very Ooh, nice. No which, drama. Which side? Uh, all my mom's side. My dad's side, I don't really know very well. They're all in um, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and I've only met them a couple of times. But, uh, no, that's they're right. Nice, they're nice folks, but I just have no chances to meet no, them yeah. or see them. Um, but yeah, like we all met together in one place called a place called Howie in the Hills, Florida, which is this weird hilly part of Florida, which apparently all these rich people live in like old money, like uh, uh, royalty from other countries, send their kids there to go to a school to learn English and to learn wow. golfing. It's really weird. Like it's a strange place in Florida. I vaguely, I have some vague memory of Howie in the Hills. I don't know why, but yeah, it's I don't know very, why. Yeah. very country, a lot of horses, that kind of thing. But yeah, then I got lots of shoes. For Christmas, which is great because I love cool. I need to do shoes. I got the movie pass, which is that Ooh, great thing I talked yeah. about in the previous show. Yeah, it's basically like seven dollars a month. You can see one free movie a day. Uh and I haven't gotten in the mail yet. It's coming soon, and I'm gonna use the hell out of it. Killer. Because I'm guessing they're hoping people won't use it like a gym membership and then it'll just make lots of money, but I'm gonna use it as much as possible. I mean that that's what they're banking on. Is that enough people get it but then don't use it or don't have the opportunity to use it and so they right. make money. And if you use it once a month, you're already like saving money just using it once a month. So it's right, crazy. Right. Uh, but also a fun gift I got for my aunt and uncle because I'm so much into the paranormal is they went to Scotland uh, this past year and they mm-hmm. brought brought back a rock from Loch Ness. Ooh. <laughs> and they put it in a little container and gave it to me. And I was like, oh, this is adorable. It's Loch Ness Monster's poop. It's right here. <laughs> That's right. That's definitely real. <laughs> but it was such an adorable gift. They always give such thoughtful, interesting gifts. So it was really fun. But yeah, New Year's, I went to uh, Clearwater, Florida, which is a pretty cool. beachy town yeah. with uh, her and another couple. We just kind of played some board games, uh, got some nice Italian food, drank a little Ooh. bit. It was a good time. Uh, watched the crazy CNN coverage of New Year's, which was everyone getting drunk and high. <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> yeah, great. And I played some nerdy board games with some friends. Cool. Met with my D and D group, which you know is related to today's episode, and uh, oh. now I'm here. Uh, well, I'm meeting with my D and D group tomorrow. Ah, well, beautiful. Yeah, Even bam. Appropriate. Well, what'd you get for Christmas? Um, socks. Uh, actually, so Anna got me some cool Muppet stuff. Oh, nice. She got me uh, this vintage Muppet pop up book that is incredibly elaborate, like a pop up book, but clearly not one for a child. <laughs> like one of those kinds. Uh, she got me a book that uh, came out in 74 that they did illustrations of the Muppet show hmm. and like, but they like drew out sketches from the Muppet show in this book. Weird. And the illustrations are beautiful, a nice hardcover. So she, she got, she got me that I got a, so the guy who did your Spock. Yeah. Uh, I got a Jim Henson and Kermit. Oh, Beautiful. He's yeah, talking yeah. about some nice artwork he got for me of, of yeah. Spock. It's very pop art kind of thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. The uh, artist is Planet Giggles. You can check them out on Etsy. They're actually very reasonably priced. They do custom stuff. Very reasonably priced. This episode brought to you by Planet Giggles. They're not our sponsor, but I'm going to endorse <laughs> them. I'm going to say, go spend your money there. Um, nice. But other than that, nothing big. Really, we just asked for mostly stuff for the kids. Oh, of course. That's what More you get forever now. Oh, I did get, um, through our Bauman gift exchange, I got a uh, one of those Nerf tacticals. 
Yeah. It doesn't fire like the Nerf darts from when we were children. It fires these little foam yellow golf ball sort of things. They've got dimples, like golf ball. And it fires them at like twice the speed of a Nerf gun. They hurt. Um, Definitely for adults. They fire fire so fast. That's funny. Oh, my God. We had a lot of fun. Oh, another gift I should mention for my girlfriend, which is kind of like one of those five-minute aficionado things we do or things we recommend for people, is I got a new shaver. Like a one you get like from using the uh, the actual barber shops, you know, with the guards on it and stuff, mm-hmm. and makes a huge difference with the slightest difference with this, a high precision shaver that has like little tiny heads on it too, so you can make your stubble or your beard stay all one length, and you can like, make little refined lines. It just you look so much better just that little tiny difference. So for anyone who has like who's trying to maintain like a small beard or like a, a well cut beard, don't have a neck beard. Don't be one of those. Would, uh, would you qualify a sad small goatee? <laughs> well if you're like you or it doesn't necessarily grow out to be it just spreadly, doesn't happen it's just not then, coming then it's clean already it's fine yeah so you're that's in good true. shape already <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah you don't you don't need it you're fine <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah i have some hair that doesn't grow very strong so i just cut off just that hair so it looks cleaner because like right around my lips and the bottom it doesn't grow in very full so it, i would look crappy so i just shave that part off and then it looks even better you don't even notice so yeah that was a good gift from the girlfriend i have to mention her in the episode i'll be in trouble Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, that's why I mentioned the wife. Of course. I'm not getting in trouble tonight. Now I'm in trouble, by the way. Uh Of course. (laughs) Does she hear that? She's right next to me. We're on the couch. Oh, good. Which I guess will bring us to some nerdy news. Uh, Nerd news. Yes. (laughs) Yes, nerd news. It's time for nerdy news. Man, we're really in the groove tonight. <laughs> I'm getting the groove. All right. Uh, you want me to do my first? Sure, go for All it. All right. So my new news story is cleverly titled, You Look Like Shit. <laughs> no, but what's your story called? Thanks a lot, Jackass. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's bad. Um, so uh, it's a study that this, these scientists did that, uh, maybe not scientists, just this group, Um that, that you can tell people are sick just by looking at them in most cases, even like recently newly ill people. Wow. With like a you can computer tell. imaging or something? No, they did. Um, they, they took this group of Caucasian guys and they gave half of them a placebo and they gave half of them like a general bacteria that makes you feel that that has quick onset, basically. Uh, and then had a bunch of people look at them and decide whether they thought they were sick there or not. And. The Raiders identified 81% of sick people better than just what it would be randomly. Wow. Just even like recently sick. Yeah. yeah, That's pretty cool. Like they had just been given this injection with this, this minor bacteria. That's how far our survival instinct goes into our bones. That's right. Because you want to avoid those people. Like the plague. <laughs> but, it, but it, you know, people know you're sick even when you're newly sick. So stay away from me. <laughs> So yeah, you look you look like shit. <laughs> that was a good name for the story. So uh, I, my story comes out of England, where uh, spontaneous human combustion is added again. So uh, oh God, <laughs> I didn't know it went anywhere, but it's been an ongoing thing. But throughout it's back the past like 250 years. We've heard stories of spontaneous human combustion, but this is with new technology and people being so ready to call the police really quickly and stuff. Um, this is the first recent sightings that have been really. Uh, in the news, basically, because they're so it's so unexplainable. Um, 
two cases right in a row, basically, in England, two different spots where someone seemingly just spontaneously combusted into fire and died. Uh, No one could stop it. Um, So one is a man died after he burst into flames on a street in Hull, England on Wednesday, uh, two weeks after London police issued a plea for witnesses of another similar incident. So Daniel Lingwood, a resident of Hull, looked out his window to see flames across the road, according to a local newspaper. He immediately rushed outside to help the victim, who has not been named. Uh, He says there were some women going around to get buckets of water to chuck over him, but I had done first aid before, and I knew that would be bad for his skin. So me and another bloke tried to roll him on the ground to put the fire out, reported the whole Daily Mail. Uh, Police are currently appealing for witnesses. The circumstances around why the man was set alight remains unknown, but Wood Wood said the police are not currently looking for anyone in connection with the incident. Uh, But yeah, it just happened just recently, uh, like a couple weeks before that, a 70-year-old man burst into flame as well, uh, where he died from severe burns. And they found no accelerants on his body. They can't explain it. And people just saw suddenly a man was on fire. They didn't see how it started in both cases. So very weird. What's happening in England right now? Chemical warfare? Who knows? That's crazy. Just crazy. (laughs) So I had no funny name for that story. We need to work (laughs) on your funny names. Yes. We'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. So still in the paranormal area of things, uh, of like spontaneous combustion, we have our segment now called Preternatural Penetration, which we've had several times in the past, where basically I tell a uh, supernatural or paranormal story to Steve, and he basically says it's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's because it's it normally is. That's all. That's the now, only this reason. one is a little better because it's a recent news story that was okay. reported on in the New York Times and Politico, Ooh. and it's an ongoing story. And it has uh, very interesting implications. So okay. um, I'm we might have mentioned on this, the podcast before uh, Tom DeLonge, who is the lead singer for Blink-182. I think they still tour occasionally, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. He has been into UFOs and the paranormal for a long time. And that's been a well-known thing. People thought he was just a bit kooky. But, you know, he's very well-spoken, very charismatic guy. But recently he started he said he was going to start the To the Stars Academy. Okay. Which, uh, their mission statement on their website states uh, an accelerated path to transformative discoveries and technology applications and inspire global citizens through informative entertainment. Well, wow, that's a lot of words. OK, <laughs> it is. So what that basically means is that they're they have several major scientists, former government and military officials um, mm-hmm. and others on board with the academy to uh, dis- study UFO phenomenon and also to encourage disclosure from the U.S. government. And OK. Ha- how they're going to fund that is with entertainment stuff like TV shows, music, comics, uh, novels, that kind of thing, and then use that money to actually do real investigations. Okay. Right. People were like, all right, well, it's interesting. You got some interesting people on board that are actually really legitimate. And even John Podesta, who is the former chief of staff to Bill Clinton, is involved in, mm-hmm. in communications with them. So they're like, all right, well, interesting, but probably nothing will come out of it. But just recently, um, about two weeks before the new year, December 17th, they release a statement that they had the first official UFO footage ever released by the United States government officially. And Mm -hmm. it's part of three videos that were basically of pilots recording either on radar or out their gun window, like their gun um, camera of UFOs that they were tracking or following. And and you can hear them cursing and going crazy and reporting back to their bases. And they're very interesting, legitimate videos that apparently the government was investigating. And then at the same day they released that coincidentally, 
maybe not so coincidentally, mm-hmm. the New York Times and Politico released a report that apparently a secret multi-million dollar Pentagon program okay. uh, was set up 10 years ago by um, Harry Reid, who was a Senate majority leader at the time. Okay. And they had $22 million uh, invested in this taxpayer money to investigate UFOs. Okay. And it was called the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. How, how much money was it? $22 million. So a oh, drop so in like the bucket. Ch- okay, got it. Yeah, so like Trump change. Got it. Right. And already Fox okay. News is going off the handle with this thing. Oh, wasting taxpayer money, all this pork and spending. And it's like, that's nothing to the U.S. government. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, okay, got it. That's like buying gave, staplers for the White House, you know. <laughs> they gave they gave him a little bit of pocket money and shooshed him out the door. Got yeah, yeah, go do your thing. <laughs> but uh, how much money will it take for you to go to away, to go away, UFO man? <laughs> <laughs> but Harry Reid was like a major player in politics for the past like, sure. fifteen years. Uh, he was the majority leader, um, and he's even quoted on it saying, "I'm not embarrassed or ashamed or sorry. I got this thing going. I think it's one of the good things I did in my congressional service. I've done something wow. that no one no one has done before." So he said that on publicly. Uh, and they had this, uh, one particular guy in charge of it. And they also got funding from outside sources, uh, by this guy named Bigelow, Okay, uh, this guy named Bigelow, who's been studying UFOs for 20 years, but he has like, he's in the aerospace industry. So he has millions and millions of dollars. So he put money towards it as well. But the idea is that they've said for years now, officially that they are mm-hmm. not studying UFOs and they basically have been caught with their pants down that they, yes, they actually have nothing to do with aliens necessarily. It's just that they've been studying crazy aerial phenomena they can't explain um, right, right. which they said they haven't been doing since the you know early 70s but they have been so that was interesting and the videos they released and uh the one last thing that was crazy about it was the guy who's in charge of it luis elizondo who's been on tv okay. all over the place now because he once he left that program because it eventually lost its funding in 2015 he went to join tom DeLong at his academy so he's now part of that academy after working for the government on their UFO program. This is all like just true. It's no, there's no conspiracies here or anything. And he said, um, I think what's important is that we have identified some very, very interesting anomalous type of aircraft. Let's call them aircraft. Things that don't have um, any obvious flight surfaces, any obvious forms of propulsion and maneuvering in ways that include extreme maneuverability beyond, uh, I would submit, the healthy G-forces of, uh, of a human or anything biological. I will tell you unequivocally that, that through the observation, scientific methodologies that were applied to, to look at this phenomena, that these aircraft, we'll call them aircraft, are displaying characteristics that are not currently within the U.S. inventory, nor in any foreign inventory that, that we are aware of. So it's fascinating. So what do you think? Now that I've ranted. They, did they, so they collected, did they investigate? I'm, I'm unsure of what their role was. Maybe you're unsure of what it like. Yes. They, so basically their main role was legitimate sources of, of these reports, like mainly, okay. mainly Air Force people and Navy Air Force. So, so they were the X-Files. Pretty much, but like they didn't okay. take this from any anybody. Like if Yokel said he saw UFO, they didn't investigate that. But if like an Air Force um, pilot said, "I just saw this and I have radar evidence," here it is. That's where it would go to, basically. Okay. So, and the craziest one though, which is like some people think it's like a big smoking gun, was that apparently they collected materials from Africa that apparently okay. fell from the sky, and it's uh, metal alloys, and they said. Material, these obviously being studied to the scientists figure out what accounts for their amazing properties, some kind of compound that they don't recognize. And that's in the official p- reports. 
So it's like, uh, what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I mean, meteorites and stuff fall from the sky. But meteorites aren't made of metal. Well, I guess they have metal in them. but They are, though. That's what they are. Well, they're metal they, and rock. Yeah, they have metal inside them, I guess. Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's what they are. Uh, so, I mean, for me to say that's not like a meteoroid. Well, they're saying like, they can't eh. recognize the material yet. But, yeah, you're, it might be. You're right. It you're right. And, and even, but here's the thing. Even if, if it is some new thing, it could still just be something from space we've never, like, yeah. That we don't understand yet. That, that doesn't mean, ooh, aliens, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. No one has said the word aliens. And, like, all these interviewers on CNN, on MSNBC are bringing in people from the program and other um, you know, UFO experts and stuff like that. And like, why was the government studying aliens? And they keep repeating over again. They're like, they never said they were studying aliens. They're studying unidentified aerial phenomenon. And that's all they're saying. And so right. they're trying to legitimize it by saying, hey, they're not jumping to conclusions. They're not saying, therefore, it's aliens. Uh, but it's just we have to study this stuff because it, it's called a threat agency because they're saying maybe it's a threat from a foreign government. Maybe it's something from space we need to worry about. Like, but. No, here's the thing, though. If it was an act, like an something that the government actually cared about, and it was military, its budget would be astronomical, just like the rest of the military budget. Right. And they said that the way they got any budget (laughs) was they argued to the government that they're like, well, these are possibly. uh, It says received approbation um, to research UFOs encountered by pilots out of concern, at least publicly, that they may be secret aircraft being tested by China or Russia. Right. So that's how they got the funding in the first place was saying, hey, maybe it's the Chinese or the Russians. We don't know. And you I know. think that is the far more likely answer. Well, I don't think China or Russia is more advanced than we are as far as aerial or aircraft. But I don't think so either. But as you and I have said literally on this show before, whatever we think is in like a spy movie, they're like 15 or 20 years ahead. Right. So, yeah, our and government could project. have it, but so could theirs. Like, that's my thing. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. It could be their black projects, just like it could be our black projects. Yeah. Probably for all we know, these. this is above someone's pay grade. And that's why they, it's easier for them. Once again, as I said last time, I think we did this. It's easier for the government to let people just say, oh, yeah, maybe it's UFOs, than explain what it actually is. That's very true. But the fact that I think most people find interesting is that our own government apparently doesn't know what some of this stuff is and is putting money, at least some money, to um, yeah, some fund money, it. Yeah. And they sought funding from private sources as well to help fund this program. And that's all just interesting and not kind of what they've been, the narrative they've been going with for so long. Um, So they were kind of forced to release this information at the same day as the release of the other stuff because it came from the same program. So they were forced out of hiding basically with this information. It's no big bombshells, but just kind of. I don't know. Maybe this was, maybe this was the big embarrassing project that they were just been trying to hide. (laughs) <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> man, we did. Uh, we did do that because Harry Reid retired now. So he's like, maybe like, oh, shit, that guy made that project happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> son of a bitch. Oh, well, I, I don't know. I, I go with my norm with my last answer, which is and it, this doesn't sound outlandish. These guys exist. I'm sure they saw stuff, but sure. It's I think it's far more likely that that it was, you know, foreign aircraft and that stuff, just like it could be ours. But I will say probably my my most uh, straightforward. uh not as crazy story. I've given a preternatural. You had you had at least three sources there, and that is four more than usual. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I always have Joe Bob as my source. He's usually really reliable. <laughs> I saw Chupacabra out there in the swamp. I promise you, I saw. But it. I, I I know I know Mulder. You want to believe? I, I want to believe. I do. I know you do, bud. <laughs> Well, that ends it for uh, preternatural penetration. Thanks for sticking with us through that segment. <laughs> and now on to the main segment, 
Dungeons and Dragons. I got my 12-sided die, and I'm ready to roll with the wizard and my goblin crew. My friends are coming over to my mom's basement, bringing Funyuns and the Mountain Dew. I got a big broad sword made out of cardboard, and that stereo's a pumpkin zeppelin. It's that time of the night, we turn on the black light. Let the Dungeons and the Dragons begin. It's DMT. With the legends of yore, it's DMT. Never kissed a lady before. Nope. I did it. Dungeons and Dragons uh, started back in 1974, and it was created by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. So Gary Gygax turns out, after doing some research, was a very interesting character, <laughs> very weird dude. Um, I mean, he he imagine. So I want you to close your eyes and imagine <laughs> imagine the man who invented a game played by thousands of middle schoolers in basements. You're you're imagining the right guy, right? You've got you've got him. The beards, the Hawaiian shirts, and then the like ill-fitting T-shirts. Like, <laughs> like you, that's him. You got it. You know Big, it. big glasses. Uh, but anyways, so he started off as an insurance underwriter uh, mm-hmm. who just really loved wargaming because uh, there wasn't anything like role-play gaming uh, yeah. back then. And he then. was part of this like association of wargamers right. in his he, hometown of Geneva. Yep. He basically just like uh, loves the habit so much that he wants to do more and more of it, but there is just not enough of it. Yeah, so he starts uh, making up his own war games, and he eventually starts a 20-person meetup group in his home, uh, called, and then it got so big, the people, there's too many people to fit in his house, so he created the Lake Geneva Convention, uh, which was called Gen Con for short, which I had no idea that's where it came from, but Gen Con mm-hmm. is still around to this day. It's a huge gaming convention. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's where he eventually met Dave Arneson, uh, who was the co-creator. And kind of the way you look at this is Dave Arneson is the... Um, What's the the op, the Steve Jobs and you have Dave Steve Wozniak? Yeah, Woz. so Arneson is the Wozniak. He had the logistics, the number crunching, all that stuff. Gygax was the creative guy who did all the stories and the 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 orcs, and he pulled in all the stuff from Tolkien and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So they really needed each other in the beginning to kind of play off of each other, but then from there it kind of just broke apart, and Gygax kind of ran with everything and found investors, and he definitely was like the the charismatic mind behind it. Looking, looking at him, you wouldn't know that. <laughs> yeah, looks, true. He looks more like Steve Wozniak. <laughs> looking at both of these guys, you just expect them to be eating burritos. It's just, just oh man, I got it on my shirt. Oh, like, I'm rubbing on my here. body. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> but eventually, uh, it was so Tolkien based that they had to change um, Hobbit to Halfling, Ent to Treant, and Balrog to Bal- Balor because they were using all the same names and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they eventually it transitioned from him liking these war games that were like Gettysburg, and then he wanted to do it in a fancy setting like Tolkien that he loved so much, and that created Chainmail, which then with uh, Arneson created eventually. They called it the Fantasy Game, and then as he tried to get a better name with his uh, daughter Cindy, and she was like, they gave him a few options, and she's like, oh, I like Dungeons and Dragons best, and so they used that. Dungeons and Dragons was born. Yeah, and uh, so he makes a hundred and fifty page rule book. And apparently there were no gaming companies at the time that were like, that is way too much. We're not, we're not going to buy wow. that. <laughs> that will not sell. And so no company would buy it from him uh, or they didn't have enough money to publish it. So he made his own company called TSR or Tactical Studies Rules, what it was called originally, which now you might know that name through book publishing. They're mainly known for tons and tons of fantasy novels and uh, hmm. a lot of them set in Dungeons and Dragons universes. 
Very cool. Uh, yeah, they're still around. They're big. But they published the game in 1974. It had huge success. They eventually went on to do Advanced Dungeons and Dragons in 1977. Uh, it was called Advanced because they kept the basic rules and like repackaged them. And then they made an advanced one that was even more complicated and confusing. Which, if you're new to Dungeons and Dragons, you'll know it's very complicated. And the and basic only covered, I think, like level one through three, and only a few classes. Right, and have and much simplified less rules. rules across the board. They want to be more of the role playing, and advanced AD and D was much more crunchy rules and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we should say what is Dungeons and Dragons at this point. So, what is your opinion of what? How would you describe D and D to someone that has never heard of it before? So, D and D is centered around uh, a dungeon master. Dungeon Master is the person that has created a magical world or a regular world or any kind of world that you and your characters find yourself in. You decide what character you want to play. That depends on how you feel, and that's called your alignment. If you want to play as a bad guy, good guy, lawful, neutral, chaotic, you want to go crazy, you can play any kind of character you want if you design it the right way. You choose from a few different classes, which dictate the skills you're going to be able to use throughout the game. And then you're living in the Dungeon Master's world. There are dice involved because as you want to do specific skills more, you can invest points that you will earn throughout the game into those skills to allow you to become better at them. And when you roll dice, you add your skills to those. Um, So you can really customize your character in any way. Um, Really, Dungeons & Dragons is an open world that you can play any way you want as long as you do a little bit of work and put some numbers on a sheet. Right. It's like a... a a, compl- a complicated board game with storytelling and improvisational acting at times. Yeah. Um, there is some spatial awareness. There's yeah. some tactical thought, so it can be fun if that's your dig. But if you really want to get into your character or if you want to play a really weird way, uh, like if you want to play a fully passive person, like who never, who refuses to be violent, like you can do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Dungeon Dragons is one of those ultimately malleable games. And that's a cool that's thing. That's why like- I approach such a wide audience. I've been in many groups where it's been like uh, me, where I really want to get into the character and the improvisation and the acting part. And other players want to sit there and just really crunch the numbers and the rules. They just use their regular voice. They don't really get into character. And we can still play together in the same group. And it kind of works as long as not everybody's doing the same thing. It kind of like makes it more even and fun. And you can play with any kind of player. It's just kind of neat. Yeah. Actually, currently I'm playing a character that I'm not thrilled about just because I designed him kind of dumb. It was my first time back in a while, and I just wasn't thinking. Sure. And so there's a, a new character I want to create, so I'm either waiting for this one to die, or I can basically retire him and take a hit on experience. My dungeon master, do you really want to do that? And I thought, yeah, because this new character, I'm excited to play this new character I've come up with. And that's important to go back every week to play it. Yeah, yeah, Like, I want to have fun. Like, I'm thinking about, I already know how I want to play it and how I want to interact versus this guy. The guy I'm playing now is just stupid. He's just dumb. <laughs> that's He's, no fun. like... Not not only zero charisma, but like zero intelligence. All you can do is fire a bow. It's terrible. <laughs> I just, my character, my other campaign just died. It was a uh, sorceress female who was just like incredibly, incredible nymphomaniac. Like she just wanted to have sex with everybody, but also it's completely for herself. She would steal things from people. And um, she made one guy commit suicide because his wife found out he was, I seduced this man not knowing he had a family. And then, wow. <laughs> and then the family found out Dark. and then he killed himself. Um, and then I was like, whoops. And then I just stole his money, <laughs> but then she died. So now I made a turtle, which is a, a anthropomorphic turtle creature. That's a okay. very deep dive Dungeons and Dragons race. Uh, who's a monk and very peaceful. He's asexual. He doesn't like, he's not involved with that. He's completely different. Um, peaceful. He doesn't want to get in fights. If he can, did avoid you make it. a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? Well, yeah, except he's like, really like, hello, 
My, but I'm you a said he's a monk. Is he like basically? A, he's unarmed ninja combat. Turtle. <laughs> Please tell me he does ninja stuff. He has a bow staff. <laughs> <laughs> oh my he's god, he's Donatello! You made Donatello. I'm so excited. <laughs> Except like older mentality, but yeah, basically Donatello. But Donatello is kind of the older mentality one of the bunch anyways. Yeah, he's uh, the intelligent one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's kind of who I made. <laughs> so there's the idea, folks. You can make whatever you yeah, want. And you it's can great. make Donatello if you really want to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, Okay. So yeah, they released original Dungeons & Dragons and then the simple one. Um, they sold a crazy amount in the first three years. Yeah. Just insane. And I want to mention that Arneson guy, he was the one that came up with the character classes, experience points, level advancement, and other features like that. So really, like I said, the Wozniak. Um, But yeah, like you were saying, they, uh, I just had the stats there, but they like released, they started selling out the game. The game had more than 3 million players around the world by 1981. Uh, It's just crazy. Yeah. And copies of the rules were selling at a rate of 750,000 per year by 1984. Which sounds like a huge amount, like as far as book sales, but for games like that, that never had happened before. Like war, war games just didn't sell like that. Card games didn't yeah, sell like yeah. that. So they were saying there were, no, there were no real giant game companies that weren't like toy companies. Yeah, like Hasbro or something. Uh, like one article I said was, I saw was released saying it was like the monopoly of the 80s, like because the Depression era had monopoly and it was like so yeah. popular. And then, then this is like the monopoly of the 80s. So it's pretty crazy. Eventually, during the 80s, it got real popular, but at the same time, had the backlash, uh, which I'm sure Steve knows about, of just parents thinking it was for them the devil, and because they were becoming aware of it, they're like, why are there naked women on the covers of these these books? There were like naked um, like harpies and stuff on the front of the books, and demons and dragons, and they're like, this is from the devil. Uh, one kid killed himself, and the parents blamed it on D&D. Uh, another kid went missing for a few days saying he was on a LARPing adventure in the D&D world, and they blamed it on that, too. So Gary Gygax apparently was on 60 Minutes in 1985 explaining, like, what it was and how it wasn't from the devil and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, so one thing I'd like to share. Uh, yeah. So while I was lo- trying to look at, like, fun facts and stuff, I found some real funny, real funny <laughs> stuff. Like what? And this is from something called a ministerforstorn.com. And the article was top 25, uh, mind you, very poorly written article. So disheveled and crazy. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons facts for Christians. <laughs> and so he goes through these questions that are really good. Does D&D teach devil or demon worship? And this person was, so far I found, I found teaches, uh, so far nothing I found teaches devil or demon worship. It's like his first sentence for all of these is basically, no. <laughs> it does not. Does D&D teach magic spells? In short, no, it does not. Uh, and then he has an explanation, but every single one of these is no. Can D&D cause demon possessions? So far, I haven't witnessed anyone getting possessed. <laughs> <laughs> so far, it might still happen. Do players surrender their will to the DM or the GM? <laughs> Will playing D&D send you to hell? Does D&D present a universe without God? <laughs> have many gods actually yeah yeah and each one of these is like he is just no and then he really does a good job a fairly good job of explaining it and really what he explains is like you can play if you are so christianly convicted that you, that and you have to play dnd you can play as like a christian character you can make god your deity sure you can choose a, a good alignment where you wouldn't do anything like you can do that that's how you want to do it and, that, and that's basically every answer was surrounded it was so good <laughs> Check it out on ministerforston.com, everyone. That sounds amazing. 
Uh, it's very poorly written. Very poorly <laughs> but written. But still funny. Still funny. Can playing D&D lead to suicide? <laughs> um, it's so good. So this is the funny part. I had to read this kind of word for word because it's from Wikipedia, but it's from basically after 1985, Gygax is getting so much money. Uh, Arneson was kind of pushed to the background. He was just getting 10% of like uh, royalties, which still gave him like a six figure income every year. So he could doing nothing basically. Right. Because he had rights to the original ideas. Uh, so Gygax, Gygax lets his money get to his head and his fame. His wife leaves him after he develops a cocaine habit and cheats on her. <laughs> and and the investors wanting to get Gygax out of Lake Geneva so they could manage the company without his interference, they split TSR in, into different companies and made him the president of TSR Entertainment. And, and they sent him to Hollywood to develop TV and movie opportunities. <laughs> so he became the producer of the licensed D&D cartoon series for CBS, which led its time slot for two years. So it, it led its time slot, which is yeah, pretty It did cool. pretty well. Saturday morning cartoon, probably. So Gygax, newly single, took advantage of his time on the West Coast, renting an immense mansion, increasing his cocaine use, and spending time with several young starlets. <laughs> yeah, Gygax, get it. And then in 1984, at the peak of all that business, he reached an agreement with Orson Welles to star in a DVD movie or D and D movie uh, with John Borman to direct. Uh, I'm not sure who that is, uh, yeah. but uh, TSR apparently started having financial difficulties back on the East Coast without his knowledge. So he went crazy with financial stuff and lawyers, and he took control back of the company uh, from these investors, and he made. Uh, the first Unearthed Arcana. Now, if you're a D&D fan, you know what Unearthed Arcana is. Basically, when they compile a bunch of rules that they've been playtesting mm-hmm. for a while and release it in a new book. And basically, what how he did that was he had this Dragon magazine going on for like almost eight years at that point, mm-hmm. which had slowly been releasing kind of new rules and ideas and add-ons to the game. And in the way to make money, he's like, uh, we'll compile it into a book and we'll sell it. And so he sells it just to make money so the company doesn't go under and it, it works scumbag. It sells, but it was a great idea. People loved it and actually it was pretty helpful. So it wasn't a terrible yeah. idea. Uh, and then he also wrote and published the first few books under the TSR label himself. He's released them and they made lots of money. So he, he did really well as a businessman okay. for the company. I was like, even on the cocaine habit and the whores and all that jazz. Dude, if you want to keep the cocaine flowing, you got to keep the good, the good ideas coming. That's the inspiration, man. That's how you do it. <laughs> but they didn't like his craziness. They kicked him out once again uh, in 86, like only like one year later. Uh, and then he le- was not with the company from then on. He had his own investments and his own stuff after that, own companies. Uh, he lost all the rights to everything. But I think he was still involved with Gen Con making good money, and he died in 2008. That's, wow. Gy- that's Gygax. There's more, but I mean, that's just the Gygax portion. Yeah, and over the years, there have been a ton of different editions. You, we talked about the first Advanced Dungeons Dragons and Simple Dungeons Dragons, but then there was second edition. Right. Which came out in 87. But it's related to what you were talking about earlier, because uh, all the backlash from the, like, the nudity on the covers, the demons, the dragons, they- They went, the, the pendulum swung the opposite Exactly. Direction. They took out all that stuff and they took out evil characters. They took they made, out the thief and the half orc. Yeah. And they made it more uh, more medieval history and mythology as opposed to sword and sorcery stuff, which was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they took out any demons or devils and, and renamed them and made them races, basically. Yeah. Well, that technically was second edition of D&D that we call it now. But back then it was advanced Dungeons and Dragons second edition. Uh, True. Even though it was a third kind of edition of the game, kind of. 
Sort of. There have been multiple like half editions and quarter right. editions and compendium it's, editions. And- especially back then it was complicated. But uh, the big thing, which just goes back to nostalgia for me and Steven back in school, was mm-hmm. uh, TSR was bought by Wizards of the Coast in 1997. That's right. Who was swimming in money from Magic the Gathering at the time. Yeah, they, they were. <laughs> and we, our friends would play that at lunch at school all the time. Uh, it was a big thing. I played we it once. <laughs> I've played it like five times. It's really fun. Yeah. All right. Whatever. <laughs> we'll have to play it again sometime. Never. Never going to do it. I have hundreds of them, of the cards, because my ex-girlfriend uh, used to go to Wizards of the Coast conventions and work for them in cosplay, and they would give her free packages of the new uh, Magic the Gathering cards. Nice. And I reorganized her house several times, and eventually I was like, can I just borrow these and organize them? And she's like, sure. And then we broke up, and she never took them back. I mean, I'll give them back oh, to her if she okay. wants them, but I still have them sitting in my house. Hundreds of nah, burn them. cards. <laughs> they could be worth some money. Who knows? Sell them then. There you go. Uh, yeah. So that happened and they had lots of money to infuse into it. And so, of course, they released D&D th- 3rd edition in 2000. Yeah. It was very popular. And oh, the cool thing was that that had the first time it was centered around the D20. D20. Dice. Yeah. 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 I can't even imagine the world without the D20. Like, that's yeah, crazy. it's hard for me to think about how many different dice rolls there were before D20 was the standard. I'd be curious to play one of the older ones, like in one uh, one shot campaign or something. No, see, I'm good. To see how it works. <laughs> There's a reason it's different. Which edition are you playing? Uh, five, five E. Me too. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I like it. Well, we can talk about that later when we get to it in the historical context. That's true. So then uh, they released Dungeons Dragons 3.5 in 2003 that just had a lot of minor changes and stuff. Yeah, it was just like uh, everything they found wrong with th- third edition. It was only three years later, so it wasn't a lot in, of time. In like some customer complaints, yeah, it was in, in terms of it, the prior releases, it was very, very close. Yeah, and apparently these both those editions were basically supposed to be less restrictive than the other the previous editions, like second edition, to make it more flexible so people could play it easier. Because uh, it's hard to market this to the general public in general. Like, you have to explain so much to play that people just don't get over that hump. I remember I was yeah, at, C- yeah. at CNN with a couple of my coworkers to try to get them to start playing. And we go into my house. We plan to be there all day to make characters and explain it to them. We tried. We got three-fourths of the way through making their characters, and they never came again. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's just not for everybody. Uh, and then in relatively short Dungeons & Dragons terms, then in 2007, they released the fourth edition. The dreaded fourth edition. And this was met with backlash, mostly due to the fact that a lot of uh, Dungeons & Dragons fans in very relatively short time had forked out even more money for 3.5 just a few years earlier, right? which was already a very quick follow-on. And then the fourth edition, people just dug their heels and went, nah. Yeah, and plus like 2003, 3.5 had millions of supplements that came out each previous year, each year after that. So yeah. They were still buying books. And then like, oh, here's fourth edition. Like, what? <laughs> some people love fourth edition, but like it's uh, it's too video. But then you have people like Cameron who dug their heels in and, and 3.5 is what they live and die by. Yeah. Like, no, won't do it. <laughs> and like I had fun playing. I actually my only DM campaign was in 4.0 because it came out right at that time. And I was just starting to DM. Cool. And it was easy to do, but it really was like. A mechanics of a, of a video game with powers and it just like it just didn't have the same feel i don't know did you ever play 4.0 no i've never had any foray into it well you don't need to okay cool but before we before we get to the next edition though 3.5 was released it was 
generally really well liked, but it was huge and complicated because there's so much you could go through, so much information. I, re- I remember like the adding of of all those feats and exchanging skill points for feet like it got so so stupid complex there was too much and so a company called paizo made pathfinder which everyone basically unofficially calls dnd 3.75 uh because it basically is almost exactly like 3.5 as far as how you play it but there's just certain things they fixed and made simpler that was made less confusing and so pathfinders to this day is still really popular and they haven't changed their rule system they just keep adding books and one of my friends actually has a job where he, they pay him to convert campaigns that are written for 3.5 into Pathfinder. Um, so he does that profession, like for, as a side job and he makes good money doing it. It's complicated, but it's fun. So yeah, that was uh, 2007 or 2008. We had 4.0. And then they waited five years for the next one. Good on them. Yes. Uh, it, or maybe it, it started in 2012 and finished in 2013. Right. And this one that I think they did well because apparently it says they took they did 75,000 playtesters over two years to finally get it right in quotations, what they wanted to say for this last edition of D&D to kind of be like a, a lasting one, which right. I, I think they did really well. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah. I mean, mind you, my only experience it was three five, but to go from three five to this. Oh, man. <laughs> is that a challenge? It is so much less exhausting. Right, it's and it, it so feels much like three five, but it's just less complicated. Yes, yeah, exactly. But it, I, I love rolling on advantage or disadvantage. It's so simple. That is true. So basically, what that means is, uh, if you're good at something, you have advantage over it, so you can roll twice and take the better result. Or if you have a disadvantage, or if you roll disadvantage, you roll twice and you take the lower. Right. Like, oh, you're on a cliff, so if you're swinging your sword, uh, I'm gonna have you roll a disadvantage for that. The DM, but it, it's, it, yeah. It keeps you from having to roll a lot of individual modifiers for things, which is what really slows the game down. And easier for the DM, if you're not as experienced, instead of saying, oh, well, what do I add to that or take away from that if they're on a cliff or if they're falling 20 feet? They'll just say, ah, eh, just roll disadvantage. It's just that much easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or if, if your character's in a situation that's good for them, you can just roll, you know, if you're, you know certain abilities allow you to just roll it at advantage so you can if make sure you make that jumper, ensure you're going to make that jumper. Right, or more of a uh, chance just, to do it. It's brilliant. I, I like it. And, and then, you know, a lot of classes, um, they really upped sort of the damage and wow factor for a lot of classes. Um, getting multiple attacks earlier, um, getting sort of advanced spells just a little bit earlier has made the middle game like three to five a lot more interesting. That's true, because I was stuck on level five in my... 5.0 campaign for a long time as a source. I'm still, I am so close to the end of level five. Holy crap. <laughs> it's a long time. But as I'm that, at 12,300. I need 14,000 to get to level six. Oh, uh, man. Our guy does it by like milestones. So, like, God, uh, I wish our guy did it by milestones. You finish a mission, you get another level kind of thing. Though but, uh, I did uh, get 100 bonus XP for using the phrase bevy of wenches in our group chatter. <laughs> so That's that the great good. thing about this game, too. <laughs> arbitrary experience arbitrary experience 100 bonus experience <laughs> one time uh, our dm canceled at the last minute and i said well i'm taking 250 cancellation experience he said fine it's yes because <laughs> you called it snatched it up or like we uh, my old group we used to bring snacks and whoever brought snacks got a like, bonus experience that <laughs> <laughs> uh, was fun so so tell me about your so now that we're in 5u tell me about your character in 5u currently or the one that you just killed off well, I killed off a sorceress, uh, and she—it was 
upsetting because I, I don't like there's not enough times where a, 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 a magic user can cast more than once in a turn. Because like I'll have like a well, my other group in Pathfinder, it's the same deal where like there's a monk in our group who can hit somebody like six times. Yeah. And he does like 150 damage in one in one turn. And I'm like, well, I'll cast one fireball. I might do 60 damage if he doesn't take half from a reflex save. And well, I guess my turn's done. <laughs> like I'm like, what? Why? So like, I, I that is upsetting to me. It's discouraging to play magic using classes because of that. Because it's just I don't know. And like I, I'm playing a healer in that Pathfinder group, and all all I do is just heal the whole time. And that's it. I'm bored. I, I will agree with that. Uh, in that, in our group, we've got two or three spell casters, and um. When when they've got their full spells, it is great. Yeah, we clear, they push, but that we have found ourselves in so many occasions where we can't get a long rest and reset, and they end up they're like they're just reliant on cantrips because that's all they have left. <laughs> and so it's like I do four damage, like <laughs> but like all of them get to that point where they have nothing left but cantrips, and then it's just up to me and the other guy to bring it home. Just so you know, listeners who don't, who don't play, uh, you have different levels of spells. And once you use like higher level spells, you can't use them again. So you're going down to your next level of spells. You can use them any order you want. But then you have down to the cantrips with your level zero spells, which you can use as which many you times can as use you want. As many times as you want, but they're real weak and not right. Great like, most oh, of the time. four damage. And another one is uh, prestidigitation, which mm-hmm. is where you do small magical effects. And the, my favorite thing that it also does is clean things. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. I'll or you go, can make, or you can make something look dirty, right? So I'm like in a battle, I'm out of spells. I'm like, I clean the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Prestidigitate! Yay! Are you happy now? <laughs> uh, but then it's up to me and my archer to to always bring it home at the end. And what is your character right now? The one you don't like? I am a uh, fighter rogue, one four. I have a street urchin background. Nice. Well, there's backgrounds in 5.0, which I like a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some of the abilities some of them come with are real clutch. Yeah. Real clutch. Let's see. And I I, I stack so hard on one thing. I, I think I made what you would refer to as a munchkin or what you did refer to as a munchkin in our last D&D episode. Yeah, it's where like you purposely stack your stats so that you I can- just didn't realize how much it was going to hinder me. And, and also because it didn't match the composition of the group. That's why your character's real dumb. Well, not only that, we are rolling with a group with no face man. Face man, for those who don't know, is the guy with the high charisma who can talk for the group and like convince people of things and and be the representative. Right. We have we have no face man, and I should have been the face man, and I fa- <laughs> and I failed us. I failed us miserably. Right now, our face man is the warlock because mm. he's the only one that has charisma of any kind. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, now, I had a previous crew. This is how this happens. And the, the people dynamic is important in Dungeons and Dragons as well, because in this previous group, I got along with this guy really well. Um, I won't say his name. We'll say Bob. Uh, Bob. Yeah. And uh, he was kind of an intense guy, but really interesting, super smart, had knowledge about everything, fun at parties. But then I got in a group with him and I was excited. But it turns out no matter what character he was playing, he wanted to be in charge of the situation and he would talk to every character he would shut you down if you tried to say anything, and he would just take control of every situation, even if his character had, like, two charisma. And I was like, uh, okay. And so it became so overwhelming. Even when I was supposed to be, like, the star of that campaign, they were all going to make me the, the lead character of this campaign just for to be nice to me because I was new to their group. Yeah. And he never, he never let me talk. And so I was like, this, <laughs> this is terrible. So I eventually quit the group. And so it's like, eventually, it's these, these friendship things can happen, too, in these games. It's like part of your life. It's your social circle. It's important. See, my problem is... 
Um, so as I said, we're all not the face man, mm-hmm. but the problem is, is we get in these situations where someone's got to step up and start talking and nobody does. And in a group of betas, I'm an alpha. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a beta plus in a collection right, of right. betas. That's more appropriate. Uh, and so I end up stepping up both with myself and my character because no one else is going to do it. But I adhere to the fact that my character is real dumb. Right. You're staying in character. You're an actor. And it gets us into trouble like all the time. And then they get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always, If you guys want to do something different, then you got to start talking. Otherwise, my character is going to speak up and say something stupid. <laughs> they're 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 learning. They're learning. So has that been our D&D talk? Well, the one thing that uh, D&D has led to is so many other RPG games that we can't even discuss them all here. But there's been probably hundreds at this point. Uh, the big ones being Pathfinder, uh, Shadowrun. On, on top of countless add-ons and booklets and additional oh, yeah. storylines and fan-generated stuff. And part of that That's is insane. that they, at 3.5, they released the OGL, the Open Game License, where they basically allowed, without any legal repercussions, for you to make your own stories and booklets that you could kind of even release in the same system as Dungeons & Dragons. Because they found that people still needed to buy the player's manual if they bought your uh, off-license uh, story that you wrote to play as a right. campaign setting. So they're like, yeah, sell your campaign setting because they'll still need to buy our player's guide to play it, you know? So like right. they're still making money. So that was a good good move on their part. But also the fans liked it because they could make their own content. But yeah, I think Shadowrun is a big one you talk about because Bright, the thing we talked about last episode, was basically mm-hmm. based off Shadowrun. Uh, okay. Shadowrun is basically D&D, uh, but in present day, with completely different dice rolling sets, it's different game system, but it's like orcs, uh, elves, humans, all in the future, and it's basically like Bright uh, in a game. And so now they're making Bright Season 2, or not Season 2, they're making a sequel to Bright now. I was really hoping it was going to turn into a show. Me too, but I mean... Really hoping. At least it's getting a sequel, because I didn't like that movie too much, but I do like the world it creates, so... There is that. Anna, Anna and I have tried to watch it a few times. We're working on it. Yeah, it's worth watching. The, we keep getting yeah. joist out of it. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but it's worth watching just for the universe it creates and the second. But they also, Max Landis, the guy who wrote it, uh, was accused of sexual harassment and stuff. So he's out for the second movie. So there you go. But yeah, that's pretty much our giant delve into D&D. We were trying something similar to our pinball episode where we just get really deep into a subject mind you that was three years ago that was three so, years um, ago no uh, two and a half two and a half years ago we don't often like to do research but if you guys like these episodes where we actually just get really heavy in the history and give you the full information on a topic just let us know and we'll keep yeah, doing yeah. it again or we'll just stop if you hate it yeah let us know that too. Uh, well, so one final fun thing i found because once again i after like the first page of Google, if you search like D&D fun facts, it turns into a nightmare. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> one was, so this one I clicked on and it was a post on something called dndbeyond.com's forum. Mm-hmm. And it was the title was fun fact for animals or plants for D&D. And so somebody named J-Man 13131313 posted just post fact for animal or plant. <laughs> 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 the next the next guy goes 
hi, could you please specify exactly what you are wanting from this thread? Are you just looking for random plant and animal facts? Are you looking for information on plants and animal life in different worlds of D&D? I'd like to help, but I'm not really sure how. And the guy just responded, I want to talk about animal and plant. <laughs> I made this topic help people use real fact about animal and plant for campaign. <laughs> broken english very good yes it was so good just just what you know oh man i got a good chuckle out of that how do you all because shit? of D. and what's the movie i made you watch that was part of our episode that i made you review that was all about D. &D? oh uh, zero charisma yeah zero charisma everybody watch that because they also have a gary gygax uh clone character in that movie not a clone of gary gygax but like a same kind of he's supposed to be that character in the movie and it's just it looks like him it's basically the same kind of guy and now it makes more sense the way that character was a dick in that movie because gary gygax is a coke addict whoremonger <laughs> yeah true that but anyways yeah so there's D, D for you all right hope you enjoyed folks All right, so now we're going to come back to something we played a while ago, and I'm bringing back Would You Rather, Woo. where I'm going to pose some uh, Would You Rather questions to Jarman that I've picked out, and they're pretty good. So, would you rather have sex with, with just a perfect 10 every night, but it's just terrible? It's just terrible. Or would you sleep with like a three every night, but it's the best sex of your life every night? <sighs> complicated because i've done both <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad your mom listens to this podcast uh yes that that was the correct answer because <laughs> then you gotta think about the rest of your life you're i mean if you're really shallow just look at it this way you're walking around with a three for the rest of the time you're not having sex with her but you also to counteract the fact that you're walking around the 10 who's terrible in bed but everyone's probably assuming she's really good so it means that do you care what people think about you or do you care how good your sex life is going to be? And now that I'm True. older, I would care more about how good the sex is because that means we're really connecting. We're probably in love. So absolutely the three. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm going to go with the 10 because even bad sex is still sex. No. Bad yeah. sex every night is terrible. Then you just don't want Not sex every anymore. night, just for just any time you decide to do it. Yeah, but then you won't want to do it anymore. It'd be terrible. Yeah, but she's a 10. You're always going to want to do it. And then it'll be always be awful. It's like. But you'll just keep tricking yourself into it. It's like looking at delicious looking ice cream and then putting it in your mouth and tastes like shit. I know. And every time the next day I wake up and go, oh, man, that ice cream does look good. <laughs> I forgot you're an idiot. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Good with you, right? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Would you rather have the only hair on your head be a chin beard or a rat tail? Chin strap beard. Chin strap beard? Because our good buddy Patrick has had the chin strap before with not a whole lot of hair on his head anymore, and he pulled it off just fine. He looks he looks, he looks great. Ah, so if he okay. Could, but rat tails so, are but always you, terrible. You understand your head is shaved in this scenario, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. and that, that's even, even better. And uh, okay. rat tails are terrible. They're just disgusting. See, I'm going to go with the rat tail. <laughs> Why? 
Because so if a rat tail is low enough, you could tuck it in the back of a shirt and almost no one would know it was there. But if you have that chin strap beard, everyone's going to know you're a douchebag forever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You could could do things with a chin strap beard. Didn't have the guy, the villain from Iron Man 1 have a chin strap beard, Jeff Bridges? (laughs) I mean, mean, never mind. I'm switching my position. Because you want to be the villain from Iron Man 1? <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that's it. Sweet. Uh, no, Jeff Bridges. He did it. That's it. Yeah, Switched he pulled it position. off. He's great. Chin strap beard. All right. So, okay, for the final one. Would you rather be dirty and put clean clothes on or be clean and put dirty clothes on? Uh, I think the anxiety I have from being very OCD and very clean freak that I am, I strangely enough would rather be dirty and put clean clothes on because I'd have the eventual knowledge of getting clean later and I wouldn't care about getting the clothes dirty because I could wash them. But then being clean and putting dirty clothes on feels like I'm just ruining something. Does that make any sense? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'd, go, <laughs> I'd probably go with that too. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, because sometimes like when you're sweaty and terrible, it feels so nice to put on a nice, nice dry clean shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm going with that one. Perfect. Good answer. Well, that was a lot of fun. Let's go on to some trailer reviews. Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low end of the scale, we have Don't Waste a Match. This movie is so bad that I wouldn't waste a single match to burn it. Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. We'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. So I think it might have been released before our last episode, but somehow we missed Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure how we did it, but we did. We skipped it. It's a long trailer, and I'm sure every other podcast on the internet has already reviewed it, but we're going to review it, and we're more important, damn it. That's right, and if you haven't been sitting on the edge of your seats for our reviews, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Great episode, folks. 2018's going to be fantastic. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. In time, You will know what it's like to lose. To feel so desperately that you're right, yet to fail all the same. Dread it. Run from it. Destiny still arrives. Evacuate the city. Engage all defenses. And get this man a shield. Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this does put a smile on my face. 
So the trailer looks like all the action we've come to expect. We see a lot of familiar faces, a few people that we don't really see, though, which is kind of surprising. Ant-Man, for one. Yeah, no Ant-Man. That's my biggest That's my biggest disappointment. I think no we Ant-Man. see a flash of him in, like, costume, but Paul Rudd, man. It's a big name, big face. So why don't we show some Paul Rudd? Yeah, show us the Paul Rudd. We love him. Yeah, he's wonderful in every way. But it looks like Thanos finally makes his appearance. Uh, he's collecting the stones for the Infinity Gauntlet. Maybe he gets them. Maybe there's a giant circular thing that's trying to be a portal to bring something here. Black Widow is blonde for some reason. Tony Stark's holding someone who's dead on the ground, maybe. Why is Black Widow blonde? Because she's a spy. She can do what she wants. I guess that's why. Why Why does the, what's his name, Spectre have the, the like, vision. A human body suddenly? Yeah, vision. vision. Is that I his name? He has the power, with, along with Scarlet Witch, to probably look that way, as I'm guessing. Man, that's stupid. Stupid. No Paul Rudd, but you show Paul, what's his name, Bettany? Paul Blart. Yeah, Paul Blart. You show Paul Blart. Mall not, Cop. Not Paul Rudd. I think it's Paul Bettany. Yeah, Paul Bettany. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I nailed right. it. I'm, I'm just fucking with um, you. <laughs> you bastard. It looks like a lot of it's going to take place in uh, Wakanda, which is, yes. I think, from the Black Panther movies. Which is the next uh, Marvel movie to come out, I believe. Yeah, yeah but they, it looks like they're doing battle there. With all the warriors from Wakanda and everything. Wakandan people and then these weird four-armed giant teeth things. Which takes me to my complaint. Okay. Is yet another army of faceless aliens slash robots for them to kill again. So the thing that comics get right is they develop villains over a long period of time just like their heroes. Mm -hmm. So they don't kill them off in every arc of a comic book series. So that way you have a legion of villains that eventually work together to fight the legion of heroes. So right. that's why we've had weak villain after weak villain after weak villain because there's monster of the week that they just get rid of besides Loki, who's kind of been like in the middle or whatever. Yeah. But right now, if they had at this point built up the villains as well as the heroes with Thanos as this mysterious figurehead, it would have been awesome to see these villains battle the heroes and then the final boss kind of being Thanos. But now it's just like, Thanos is on Earth just punching Iron Man in the face, and there's just faceless aliens again. I'm like, why do we care? You know, that's that's my question. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing that you're not there for them. You're there for the all-star cast. We, you know, that's what they're bringing Well, the all-star with. cast could have included really cool villains that were also part of the all-star cast. And they do, like Loki and Thanos. <laughs> Thanos, the wife beater. Uh, I just, uh, that's my thing with like this whole revelations of all these sexual harassment things coming out is there's all these actors who are convicted and accused spousal abusers. Spousal abusers and Josh Brolin is three or four times, I think, um, accused slash maybe convicted once. Uh, and he's getting part after part. He's playing Cable now in the Deadpool series. Yeah. Um, he's a good actor, just like Mel, you know, Mel Gibson's a great actor, uh, but he's an anti Semite. But uh, what are you gonna do? I don't know. What are you gonna do? At least he's purple, like a, like a villain <laughs> in this movie. But also, they make so him let's look all less just think of him that way. He doesn't have his crown or his regular costume. He's like he's wearing like like regular people clothes or something. It's really weird. He's like, yeah, there's a lot of stylish choices that don't make a ton of sense to me. Right. So well, I, mean, I don't know where that's going, but I'm sure it'll be fantastic. I mean, this gets to shut up and take my money. Shut up and take my money. Me too. I have still, to. It has like to. I say it reluctantly, but I do want to go see it. There's no way it's gonna be bad. I don't think. It's going to be entertaining no, no, no. At and the fun. very least, it'll be action-packed, and you can eat a lot of popcorn. I just figured it could be a lot better, but I mean, I figure it's, it's definitely going to be good because of this the craziness of it, all the people, all the characters. But, man, I'm just tired of these, like, faceless armies of people 
that yeah. we don't care about. It gives Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow some way to kill because all they have is guns and arrows. <laughs> um, so yeah, I should have taken my money. Easy enough. Me too. Uh, Insidious, the last key. The last key. Is the second Ghost movie. Ghost things, but this time they've got key hands. <laughs> Just to piss off Steve, we picked this one. Every, I'm not letting, so I've done, I've been a good sport and I think we've done three ghost movies in the last four trailers. <laughs> I'm not doing any more for a while. I'm sorry. There'll probably probably be more. Nope. We're, it's not Halloween coming up. We're not doing it. I went through all of the movie trailers that are newly available, and I couldn't find any other genre-type movies besides this. It's terrible. People who need help with matters that can't be explained come to me. These hauntings can be terrifying things. I should know. I've faced many evils in my life. This was different though. The haunted house is my family's house. If we can find out what it is, we can stop this curse. To end this evil, I need to go deeper into the further. This way. I don't have memories from this place. I have scars. I am going to find it and I'm going to finish it. But yeah, so it's some la- the some lady who's looking for ghosts, and she's finally gonna uncover the thing she's been looking for for years <laughs> to find out why these demons are and so she pissy. She has a chin strap beard for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> and then they show, and then there's a ghost this time with keys for fingers, <laughs> like. <laughs> It, it for locks some the girl's reason. throat. It locks the girl's throat. It doesn't have to make sense. It's a ghost <laughs> film. Uh, um, this looks like every piece of claptrap. I've. Oh, it looks. Uh, <laughs> like every shot is exactly what I expected to see. There were no surprises in the trailer, at least. Right. Yeah, that shot where they show the kid, the, you know, the person in the room, and then you, you realize there's a hand in the corner. You know, like. That's my thing is that Insidious 1 and 2 were actually well-made, well-thought-out, well-acted, well-produced, beautiful movies that were actually legitimately scary and fun. Uh, But every franchise eventually has to fall. And I think this is now the third installment of Insidious, and it's just going to crap. There's no known stars. James Wan is no longer directing. He's just producing. I'm pretty sure he directed the last two. Um, He's really good. But uh, yeah, and there's it's just it's crap. I think it's gonna be jump the shark. This is basically gonna be more of the same garbage. Nothing innovative. Yeah, it it looks like absolute garbage. <laughs> so what do you give it? Uh, this one gets a don't waste a match because I won't even watch this at home. For me, it's give it a buck. <laughs> <laughs> just a buck though. Just because I would I would watch this at home for fun because it might be mildly amusing and it's better than a lot of the crap 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 uh, horror out there. So it'll That's be true. It has a budget at least. So yeah, there's trailer reviews for you. Hi, if you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. 
What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. So Radical Recommends. Uh, so this week from Radical Recommends, I bring a Netflix original that has been apparently out for a little bit and we kind of ignored, but just took a look at and really fell in love with. And that is Atypical, uh, a story about a young man in his teens, I think 18 or 17, uh, who is heavily on the autistics uh, spectrum uh, and decides that he wants to start dating. And it's about his sort of foray into learning girls and finding confidence and learning the rules of dating, so to speak. And it's got a great cast. It's smart. It's funny. Not it. It doesn't make fun. If anything, I've got a much through visual aids and how they demonstrate it. I've got a much clearer idea of what autism, autistic people at least sort of experience. They really illustrate it very well. Sounds good. And it's funny. Uh, Michael Rappaport. Uh, oh, God, oh, I like him from hateful eight. Um, Oh, uh, and you're talking about Mary Louise Parker, Mary Louise Parker, uh, the young guy who plays uh, the lead. Uh, Sam is absolutely great. Uh, the person who plays his best friend, Nick, is friggin' hilarious. So I, I highly recommend it. It's only eight episodes out. It's got a great family drama involved as well with the parents. Um, and it's, it's like a, a goofy coming of age that's very strange, but still very touching. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. Atypical. Yeah, atypical. I highly recommend it. Very touching, very sweet, very funny. And for my radical recommends, I actually have to say that I've watched a few of Steve's recommends Ooh. from past episodes. So the documentary about uh, uh, the spray painting, American Vandal, I watched. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Spectacular. That is I'm a so complete excited. recommend for me as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then the other one you recommended, Future Man, I believe you recommended. Future Man on Hulu, yeah. I've, I'm a few episodes in, not as like, you know, profound or as awesome as uh, American Vandal was, but definitely no. fun so far. Definitely a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it probably took till episode four or five for it to really, really hit its mark. Okay, that's about where I'm at now. And it's like, it's I like the characters already and it's really violent and funny and Remember, one of those episodes is the one where you really like Wolf, and he really like that's the episode where he really became my favorite. I haven't think I've gotten that one yet. Okay, you'll get there. It, it, it it's good. And but my, my girlfriend tried to watch Future Man, and she said it was too bro humor for me. Is what she said, so she couldn't watch it. Which I understand because it's just silly yeah, and it's fun, that. and I I get it. But it's definitely enjoyable for us nerd bros. <laughs> nerd bros, <laughs> yeah. Um, but my new one, uh, my aunt and uncle actually recommended called Love. It's another Netflix original. They should be sponsoring mm-hmm. the show as well because we recommend so many of their shows. They should be. Uh, but it has Britta from Community in it. Uh, I don't know her actual actress name. I'm forgetting now. But mm. it's by Judd Apatow, who directed 40-Year-Old Virgin and wrote so many comedies that you've probably seen. Um, he produced this show. And it's it's not the best show in the world, but it's definitely very interesting and very uh modern millennial characters that you'll recognize. It has so many people that you've seen and hate these days. And on that same note, the thing I'll recommend the absolute most is search party, which is uh, very cool. It's a, I didn't expect it says TBS show, which I haven't heard of them releasing anything new. That's interesting in a long time. But anyways, it's a, it's the very worst of our generation of millennials because even though I'm in my thirties, I am a millennial technically. Yes. Uh, unfortunately. And you'll see everyone, you hate most of these characters. So if you liked, uh, uh, always sunny in Philadelphia, you'll enjoy this show, but it's much more serious. Like a, it's like a dramedy, but a girl who basically goes missing. And this girl who went to college with her 
becomes obsessed with this girl who went missing and wants to find her. And it's, there's a lot of comedy in it, but it's just, it's very, uh, it's very well shot, very funny, okay. very well written. So definitely check it out. TBS. Okay, cool. So as a quick uh, thank you section here, we have uh, Sean Vanderloo on Twitter via the Russet Robot. As always. A great guy. Thank you. He says, from our last episode, our, we did reviewed A Christmas Carol, The Muppet Christmas Carol. He says, great episode again. You guys are doing the real work. It doesn't hurt that I keep getting shout outs. <laughs> another, <laughs> another crossover episode is in the order, methinks. Okay. I'm up for it if he is. And he has a new cast now of people on his show. So there's... Three of them, technically. It's him, Josh, and Kitty. So they could okay. maybe come on the show and talk about a topic. We'll figure that out maybe in the future. That'd be kind of fun. And then we could have like a podcast battle. Hell yeah. Who will win? Death. Canada or US? Me. I'm very big. <laughs> but they're in Canada. They have moose and mounties. That's true. And they all know how to play hockey. Oh, yeah. I don't think. Uh, uh, I think they're nerds like us, though. They don't play sports. Oh, true. Good, good. But they probably know how to shoot things. So yeah, thanks, Sean. <laughs> hey, fellow nerds, it's Sean here from the Rusted Robot Podcast saying you're listening to Steve and Jarman on A Play on Nerds. Keep it nerdy, my friends. And that does it for this episode of A Play on Nerds, episode 88. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you for joining us for our great talk about Dungeons & Dragons. Join us again next time for episode 89, which is, uh, I'm going to say it, it's a very special episode. Absolutely. Uh, we always say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. This one's very special. Uh, join us next time. Thank you for joining us. We will keep being your nerdy co-hosts if you keep being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. Would you rather have the only hair on your head be, be a chin strap beard? <laughs> <laughs> okay, finish the sentence. Are you high right now? <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 you are. Um, no, plus I'm just really cracking up at these, because uh, this one I came up with like two minutes before we started. All right, start it over uh, again. Okay. Would you rather have the only hair on your head? Be- <laughs> uh, no, I haven't smoked in like, I haven't smoked in like an hour and a half. I'm on like the down, down end of it. This is not that. Because you're a professional. <laughs> Would you rather have the only hair on your head be a chin strap beard? <laughs> oh, why is that so funny? I don't know, I don't know either. I'm uh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, uh.
I'm gonna take my glasses off because I'm tearing up. <sighs> okay. All right, wipe my eyes too. Are <laughs> you choking to death? <laughs> <laughs> oh, blooper reel. <laughs> okay. Would you rather have the only hair on your head be a chin strap beard or a rat tail? That's the rest of it. Dear God. One more time for clean edit. Okay. Let me look up chin strap beard. <laughs> I'm glad I convinced you. Oh, man. These are great. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's terrible. A two-hour episode later. <laughs> <laughs> just us giggling about chin strap beard. 